Good morning. Are you awake? This is like the best weekend to preach. It's a long week of lots of food. And this Sunday when I woke up, I saw rain coming down and the cloudy skies. And I said, what a perfect weather to sleep in. Um, I didn't want to get up. I'm sure you feel the same way. But we're here because um, I believe that God is here and God desires to speak to you um, and to me. And I just want you to know that uh, I really did um, have a burning desire to share this particular message with you. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, lately I don't get to preach often and uh, I'm now a teacher. And so that's what I do as a profession. And... Uh, and so I don't get to preach often, so when I do get the opportunity, I'm asking the Lord, what shall I preach? <laughs> okay, I'm asking the Lord, listen, I have 18 years of sermon material, okay, and I'm asking the Lord, what shall I preach? I want a new word from the Lord, um, something that God has specifically for us this morning, and I believe he does. And uh, I want to share that with you today. Uh, I want you to, if you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn your Bibles to John chapter 17, we're going to read from verse 13 to verse 23. John chapter 17, verse 13 to verse 23. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it's up on the screen, so if you could follow along with me. It's very important that you pay close attention to the wordings and the words in this scripture. It says this, I am coming to you now in verse 13. It says, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Before I continue, what's happening here is that um, Jesus is about to leave. This is like final prayers for his people. I don't know about you, but I would pay, pay close attention if these are some of the final prayers for his disciples. And these very prayers, I believe, are not just for the disciples at that time, from Jesus to disciples, but these prayers are for us as well. And Jesus is saying in verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Verse 14 says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer, Jesus is saying, is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world... Pay attention. It says, as you sent me, Jesus, into the world, I have sent them, his disciples, into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Verse 20 says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. I, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world 
may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Amen. Let's pray and let's get to the word. Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I just pray that your hand be upon us. I pray that you would speak into our lives. Lord God, I'm not worthy to stand here. I'm a fallen man and uh, have lots of issues, but I stand by your grace. I stand because of your love and, and your mercy, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would touch our hearts. I pray that we would not go home today the same way we came. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would stir our hearts, transform our hearts, and direct our lives in the trajectory that you desire us to go. And uh, I pray that we would be aligned with your will today, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that we would not just do church, just to ju do church, but Lord God, I pray that we would be consumed by your mission, that we would be consumed by your desires, we would be consumed with your will, Lord God, for our lives and for this church, Lord. I pray that you be with us, be upon this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Amen. How many of you know sometimes you're doing some things in life and you think you're doing the right thing and you later on find out that's really not the right thing? It's like I'm trying to help my wife do the dishes and I'm doing my best and then she comes along and says, that's not how you do it. Okay, uh, any of you been there before? Okay, how many of you know that that's really, um, it really makes you um, feel very defeated when that happens, okay? Um, uh, when I was younger, I had a lot of odd jobs, and one of them was to pull weeds out of gardens, okay? And that's uh, what I did when I was a teenager in high school. And so uh, one time I, w I got a call, and I was directed to a house, and no one was home, and so I w backyard was open, so I went in the back, and I pulled weeds for... Four hours later to find out it was the wrong house. Um, I had to do it all over again. It was very embarrassing, but more than embarrassing, I was like, I wasted a lot of time doing something I thought I was supposed to do and engage in something that I was doing right, but it was all wrong, okay? How many of you know today that I don't, none of us want to waste our time like that? None of us want to be engaged in stuff that has no merit or it, that it doesn't produce anything. And uh, today, I want to share with you uh, about experiencing the fullness of joy that God has for us. And that's the title of my, my message today. It's the fullness of joy that God has for us. And uh, initially, it sounds like one of those sermons again, God is for you. God wants you to have joy. God wants you to have all of it. Uh, you know, the truth is, God does want us to have the fullness of joy. But we need to understand um, in this regard how this is connected to what God really wants from our lives. Because oftentimes, um, we think that 
we want certain things in life and uh, we think that's best for us. We think that if we would just get that or if we, we just experience that, then we would have satisfaction in our hearts and in our soul. But the truth of the matter is sometimes we could be really totally off and miss the mark of what it truly means to be full, full of joy because we may not have actually experienced joy. We think we know what that looks like or feels like. And we think that we've experienced it, so we pursue after it later to find out that's really not it. And here on earth, we have so many things that does make us happy. Is that right? Uh, situations, the circumstances, things that we engage in, it does make us happy for a moment. And I want to I distinguish between happiness and what joy that the scripture talks about in verse 13. I'm going to come back around to it. But happiness is a state of emotion that you experience through the circumstances or things that you experience in life. Okay, so you can be happy for a moment, but we know that when the circumstances change, our emotions change along with it. Right? Is it just you? You know what I'm talking about, right? When I mean, Hey, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher of the word. And... So I could be really, really happy as long as the circumstances don't change in our lives. But as soon as the circumstances turn for the worst, it changes my mood. It changes my emotion of being happy. But I believe that God has something so much greater than happiness that is circumstantial or based on our situation or our circumstance. God wants us to experience the fullness of joy. It's like the... You know, when it says, verse 13 says, joy, the fullness of joy, it's talking about a complete satisfaction. Okay, it's a state of being. It's not based on circumstances. It's being full. It's like having uh, water versus uh, well, never ending. It's just complete. It's the same idea of when the scripture talks about heaven being the perfect dwelling place of God. So what does heaven look like? It's the perfect dwelling place of God. So it's the idea of us being satisfied with something. It's the idea of being made whole. It's the, made of the idea of being complete. And so we know that in Christ, we can experience the fullness of this kind of joy. But the question is, how does this, how does this happen? How how does this, I don't know about you, but I want to know how I can experience this completeness. How I can experience the fullness of the joy that the scripture is talking about in verse 13. So here's what I want to say to you and really say to me. Is that I know for a fact that no matter how much I try to get the stuff of this world, it never satisfies. Are you with me? How many of you know the Christmas season is coming up and it doesn't matter how many gifts you get, you may be happy for a moment, but it doesn't change your being. It doesn't change your heart where you are full of this joy. It's very temporary and there's nothing about it that's lasting. But you've also heard that, you know, people say, hey, it's better to give than to receive. How many of you heard that before? Okay. How many of you know when you've actually prepared something for someone, you know, not just click online, but actually put some thought into it and packaged it together, and whether it's your wife or your kids or your friends, 
And you can't wait for them to open it, right? And they're opening the gift and you see the sparkle in their eyes. And what happens to your heart? There's something that happens that wells up within you, right? It's like weird. How could that be? The world says consume and you'll be happy. Consume and you'll experience joy or at least you think you are. But yet, how is it that when you give and you see someone else receiving that, something happens in you that's satisfying? Why is that? Well, that's because that's the way that God designed us. That's the way that God created us. That's the way God made us. And so, you know, the idea of us experiencing the fullness or or joy by consuming more. But Here's the logic, right? So if I'm experiencing or any kind of joy or happiness by just taking stuff in for myself, I want us to understand that when we do that, we kind of continue to get away from significance in our lives because our joy and our, our peace that we want continue and we're consuming, consuming, there's a less and less significance for the cause that Jesus has for us because we're going to continually be isolated in our own self. Are you with me? Okay, so when we're isolated in our own self, and the more we do this, and that's not the way God designed us, we're going to continue to lead, we're going to be continually led towards emptiness and void that cannot be satisfied because that's not the way that God designed us. But when we continue to give ourselves, when we continue to give ourselves to others, whether it's in servitude or Pastor Joe talked about even this morning about how God's grace is much more than just our salvation, that God gives us all kinds of giftings to serve one another as grace. And as we engage in giving ourselves to other, then there's all kinds of satisfaction and completeness that comes from it. John Piper once said, and you've probably heard this before, he says, when God is most glorified, we are most satisfied. When God is more, most glorified, we are most satisfied. Here's what, what I also want to say to you is that in connection with that would be when we engage ourselves in the mission or the cause of Jesus Christ, we will experience the fullness of joy that God has for us. Only when we give ourselves to the cause and mission of Jesus Christ then we can fully experience the joy that God has in store for our lives. Because if we're not engaged in that mission, we most likely will be engaged and be enslaved to the things of the world that may consume our lives. It's either or, it's never both. Either we make God's mission our primary and everything else becomes secondary, or we make the secondary primary, and what's really primary gets lost. We can never have both. Here's what I want to say about that, just a little bit. Let's just talk generally about mission, okay? Um, I'm not talking about necessarily missionary going out in missions, but even for our own sake, even if you put Christianity's mission aside for for a second, when it comes to general mission let's say a platoon in an army is asked hey you need to go take that hill okay when an army platoon is given the instruction and the direction to go take that hill 
I don't think the soldiers are saying, what about the clothes I'm wearing? What about the food? What about the emotional state of health that I'm going to be in with my fellow soldier? There's going to be all kinds of things that all of a sudden become less important because of the mission. Are you with me? But when you have the mission, all of this other stuff becomes secondary. Here's what I'm talking about, though. When, you, when someone focuses and you actually take that hill, the experience of taking that hill and completing that mission and the fulfillment that comes from it can never be experienced by saying, hey, do I look okay? Okay, um, are we making sure that uh, you're taking care of, I'm taking care of? No. You will never be experienced that joy of actually fulfilling that mission unless everything has been put aside and you take that hill. Are you with me? I want to bring this back to verse 13 that we were talking about, the fullness of joy. And this entire scripture is talking about Christ and mission, okay? So don't jump ahead yet. I know that there's many kinds of preconceived notion about what that word mission is. I'm going to unpack that for us here this morning. But I do know this for a fact, that I know the things that you want to satisfy the deepest longing in your soul. I want you to know if you're not married yet, it's not going to be found in your spouse. Amen? How many of you have been married a long time? Be careful. Don't say amen. Okay, don't let, okay, you, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? But how many of you know that your spouse can't satisfy you to fullness of joy? It's just, it can't. Okay, but we think it can. Okay, and so we get married and we live and we work and so forth. I know that God brings us together to, to be a helper, to complete one another and so forth. But I know for a fact Okay, that nothing in this world can satisfy the deepest longing in our souls. This void, this vacuum that's in us. It's not the stuff, it's not relationship, it's not none of that stuff. But the problem is for so many of us, because we have looked to the stuff that is created for the satisfaction of our souls, we have never experienced for some of us what it's like to experience joy as we are fulfilling the call and the mission that God has for our lives. You see, when we actually engage in the things that God wants us to do, and when we actually engage in the cause of Jesus Christ, when we actually engage in the mission that God has for our lives, the very satisfaction you're looking for is going to well up within your life and my life. That's the truth. You don't know how many times the circumstances of my life and my, my wife's life, our family, there have been moments in our lives where I, we said, what in the world is going on right now, Okay. Whether it was my accident or whether it's, uh, it's my child's sickness. We've experienced all kinds of stuff throughout life. I, I'm not, I'm, it's safe to say I'm no longer naive about the fragility of life. Okay, are you with me? Okay, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong in this world. But I don't know about you, but I know that when I engage in the direction that God wants me to go, there's something that wells up deep within me that is so satisfying, knowing that my life is going to count, that my life is going to count for Jesus in eternal ramifications. Um, I also want to say this today about this. The, 
there's a couple of things I want to talk about. And one of the things is that um, Jesus, when, when, when Jesus talks about, well, in the scripture, when Jesus uh, talks about his mission, okay, uh, that God is actually sent me and I am also sending you, this is what Jesus is talking about. You know, how many of you know that, um, that some, of you, some, some of us, I think we have all kinds of different definitions of what missionary means, right? But it says here in, in this scripture that Jesus was sent. And in the same way, we are sent. And actually, that's the word where the Latin word come, missio comes from. And Jesus is actually the sent one from God as a, in a sense, missionary work. What's the missionary work? He is sent to redeem us to God. We were once, our relationship is broken, but God desires to reconcile us to him. Here's a, here's a, there's a class that I've been teaching that I'm really enjoying in class that I haven't really understood fully, even for myself, uh, all these years I've been preaching, I haven't really come to understand exactly the fullness of what this means. But how many of you know that sometimes when we think about God sending Jesus, it's always a personal thing, okay? Yes, it's an absolutely personal thing where we experience salvation and redemption through the work of Jesus Christ. But I also want you to know that when God sent Jesus Christ to this world, there is a bigger scope in the mission of God. The mission of God is that there's, I want you to know that this world has been utterly broken by sin entering the world. How many of you know that this is a broken world, a messed up world? There's so many things wrong with it. You can just, I mean, just turn the news. You'll find out from whether it's ISIS to someone shooting in Colorado this week or all kinds of stuff happening. This is a messed up world. But I know that when Jesus came... To die upon that cross, yes, he died for my personal sin, but God has sent Jesus in a mission to restore and renew everything that was lost. It's not just you personally and for me, that everything in this world that ever got gotten wrong and everything that spiraled out of control by his work upon that cross, Jesus desires to redeem everything. That's why in the end, Jesus says there will be a new heaven and a new earth where all things will be restored. It says in the scripture that there will be no more crying, no more tears, none of this stuff. My father, after serving 38 years as a missionary, never owned anything, died a gruesome death from leukemia. I don't know about you. But sin entering the world, yeah, I'm lost personally. But this cancer stuff, this sickness stuff, it sickens my stomach when I think about the brokenness of this world. But the good news is that God sent Jesus Christ, mission, sent into the world to redeem not only mankind, but redeem everything that has been lost. But here's an incredible part about Jesus' mission. Jesus not only came to redeem and restore everything upon that cross and the resurrection, but Jesus also invites you, invites me to be a part of this mission. Can you believe this? 
we actually have a part in the mission of God. We call this in Latin, Missio Dei. It's the mission of God to restore and redeem everything. But what's crazy to me is that God desires to use us to restore and redeem all that's been lost. And God wants to use us. Let's read this scripture once again. It says in verse 14. It says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Verse 15 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Why? Verse 16 says, they are not of the world, even I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Here's the words. Verse 18, it says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, and they too may be truly sanctified. Here's Here's an interesting part about this. It says, in the way God, you sent me into the world, I am sending you into the world. I am not removing you out of the world. I am sending you into the world. How many of you heard this said before in church before where it says, they say, well, we're not supposed to be of the world, but we're supposed to be in the world. Being the light of Jesus, being the salt of Jesus. How many of you heard that before? Okay. I think being in the world is important, but I think it falls short. What's truly important here is that we are being sent into the world. We are also sent ones, which means that we're not talking about a missions department in the church. Okay, I know that last week we had a wonderful missionary come and share about his work in Bhutan, Correct. I want you to know that it's a wonderful thing for our church to send missionaries by supporting them through finances. I think it's also great that we have missions task forces and things like that to mobilize our congregation to participate in missions. But here's the thing that we need to remember in our own lives, and this is something that I need to remember always, is that not only is it good to support the missionaries. Not only is it good to have a department in the church to actually support missions, but we need to also remember that we also are the sent ones. Are you with me? We are sent into the world to be the light and salt of the earth. So in a sense, we are also a part of the Missio Dei, and we are also missionaries, so to speak. Are you with me? So some of you are like, missionary? <laughs> okay, I just, I just came to know the Lord, okay? I, I, just, I just came to know Jesus Christ. I'm learning to follow him. But to accept Jesus Christ and experience the love of Jesus Christ and to become a part of his family is also to become ambassadors for Christ. And we're being sent into the world. Here's the thing I want to say, say about the world. But as we are being sent into the world, it's interesting, Jesus said, sanctify them. Sanctify them. I want to share with you this very, very important statement before I talk about sanctifying, okay? How many of you know the, that, you know, late, nowadays there's a lot of different ways to do missions, is that correct? Okay. Uh, 
you know, I don't know if you know, but there's this thing called even what is called BAM. Have you heard of BAM? Okay. It's actually an acronym for Business as Missions. Actually, that's what I was doing in Ecuador for a couple of years is Business as Missions. And so I exported cocoa beans. Okay. If you want to know about chocolates, let me know. Okay. <laughs> if you, hey, uh, I didn't just process to make cocoa beans to export. I made the finest of the finest. Cocoa beans is like fine winery, okay? It's like depending on how you process, depending on the weather and how the wind blows, okay, and how you ferment, how all of that, it produces the finest, depending obviously the beans itself. So I actually participated in business missions because I wanted to cut um, the middleman between the farmers and the actual retailers of what do we call the bean-to-bar artisanal chocolates, okay? And so I wanted to actually cut the middleman so that we can bring back more money to the farm. You get what I'm saying, right? And using those kinds of funds to bring about the gospel to them. But here's what I want to say to you. Nowadays, there's so many different ways, whether it's businesses, missions. We have a project here in Pottstown that we teach under underprivileged kids, and we're, we, we actually uh, solicit for volunteers in our church to go help out kids in Pottstown. Uh, there's so many things, whether it's homeless ministry or different kinds of things. These are wonderful things. And here today, what I want to share with you is that these are great starting points, but ultimately, there's no way even these farmers and these oppressive, for example, even just, just cocoa beans itself, I was trying to address the social injustice, right, of the well-to-do actually abusing the not-so-well-to-do. I was trying to address that. But even if I were to do that through my work, through business as missions, and cut out all the middlemen and actually help the poor, it still doesn't address essentially the issue of the heart that's causing all of this stuff. Are you with me? Okay, let me explain it this way. In Africa, there is this thing called night blindness. Have you heard of this before? It's caused by vitamin A deficiency. What happens is when kids don't eat the right or consume the right amount of nutrition, a lot of these kids get night blindness. They can't see at night. It's a, it's a, it's a disease. And it's caused by not having enough nutrition in them. So if I go to that town, and I, pro I, provide, I can provide vitamin A. Okay, you with me? I can provide vitamin A. Yeah, I can address through compassion that. And then you can actually ask the social injustice question, how did this come to be in the first place? Well, maybe the wealthy are abusing the farmers, okay, in those rural areas. And so you address, you try to address that through politics, through getting in there and through resolving education and all of those things. Let's say you do all of those things. But I want you to understand that ultimately, the only way that society is going to ever change so that that vitamin D uh, insufficiency would be resolved is actually when people are transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ in their hearts. That when their hearts are changed by Jesus Christ and God's redemptive power works in their lives, 
Towns change, communities change, societies change, and everything about life changes when the gospel of Jesus Christ enters into a society. Are you with me? It's the same thing with our own society here. The only way that we'll experience the fullness of transformation in our lives and in our community is when the gospel of Jesus Christ enters in. But this work of ultimacy of the gospel here, I'm not saying that, please don't misunderstand me. The work of giving vitamin A deficiency, all of that stuff, is, equal, is, is extremely important. I'm not saying it's secondary. I'm not saying it's, you know, secondary to the, you know, gospel presenting. I'm not saying that. These are all various means and ways that we do mission. This is the way that God uses our lives to represent and present the love of Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, ultimately, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that can change people's hearts and people's lives. And what I'm saying to you today is that God is calling you and me into the context of this world. Are you with me? And here's what I want to share with Sarah with about sanctify them. I don't know about you, but I want to know how this is done. The reason why so many of us, we don't, we don't have power or we don't see the kinds of changes that we want to see in the world through our lives is because... There's not much sometimes difference between our lives and the lives of the world. There's nothing really different that distinguishes us from the world. And so even though we have the gospel, you know, Tim Keller always says this, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts must confront the idols of our hearts and idols of our community and idols of our culture to experience transformation. Are you with me? What I'm saying to you is that the things that we value in our lives, the things that we want in our lives, the things that we kind of treasure in our lives must be challenged by reversal of values that comes through Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm talking about. If as a church, our joy, okay, or our happiness comes from materialism, I guess, self-worth through achievements, and all of these things, just like the rest of this world, then what's different about us that we will be able to present what God has done in our lives? Are you with me? There must be something distinguishing about us, something different about us that when we go into the world that people can identify that, you know what, that's something different. That's something uniquely different that I want. So God calls us to be sanctified, to be transformed by his spirit so that we may become more like him so that we can present this good news and be a part of the mission that God has for us. How many of you heard of that verse before in Romans 8, verse 28? It says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. Amen? How many of you heard that scripture before? But do you know that we use this very scripture to apply the world's values to this scripture? There's no distinction. Here's what I mean. We actually 
want God to work out all of the circumstances for the good of our lives. I don't know about you. I want that too. But that's not the promise of the scripture. It's not that God will work out all circumstances to be good in your life. It's that in all things God will work for the good of those who love him. What is that good? Verse, the second verse, it talks about this. Okay. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. I know that's a tricky word for us. Okay. Hang in there. Predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I want you to leave it there. What it's saying here is God foreknew he also predestined is not, I'm not talking about salvation here right now. Okay, I'm not, talk, I'm not preaching Calvinism here. But what it's saying here is that God has fixed it. God has fixed for you to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. What does it mean? Conformed, to be transformed to become more like Jesus Christ. So when you came into the family of Jesus Christ, God has fixed it that you're going to be more like Jesus. God has fixed it that your life is going to be transformed to reflect the glory of God. God has fixed it that you're going to be more like Jesus. So in all things, God is working for what? More faith to change you, to change me. In everything, in earth circumstances. So when, you're, when your marriage is not working out, okay, and you're asking God, why did you put us together? Okay, out of all these people we could have been together, why did you put us together? When something's not working out circumstantially, maybe God is working in your heart, in your life, through that relationship to produce something good in you and in me. Are you with me? Maybe something bad is happening in your, in your life. I just want you to know that I experienced the most crazy accident ever. Some of you know it. I lost my eye. I have three screws in my cheekbones. I have all kinds of stuff. But through that experience, I wish God didn't allow that to happen. But it happened in all things God is working in me to reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God wants to and desires to send me into the world to represent Jesus Christ and to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. Are you with me? And when we are connected to the living God, here's what I want to say to you. When we are connected to Jesus Christ, something happens in our lives. There's no way we can stay the same when we encounter the presence of God, when we experience the presence of God in our lives. We cannot stay the same because God is changing us, morphing, transforming our lives to be more like Jesus. How many of you know that the fruit of the Holy Spirit... Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, all these kinds of self-control, all these kinds of things are fruit that God is trying to produce in and through our lives. How many of you know that we can be more patient? How many of you know that we can be more kind? I say that and I just stop because 
I'm not the kindest, most kindest person in the world. Okay? Everybody knows this who's known me over the years. I'm not very kind. Okay? Um, only because, here's why. My personality is a really pain in the neck. To live with my kind of personality, God's given my wife lots of grace. Okay, God's, you see, honey, God brought me to your life to morphe, change your life to be more like Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, all right. Um, I, I just want you to know, how many of you, I don't know about you, but there's certain major issues with my own life and my personality and my character that, gosh, like if people met me in the world, I don't think they will be attracted to Jesus. Okay. But you know what the good news is? Is that the gospel of Jesus Christ not only saved my soul, but he's working in me. And you know, one, one time, my wife just recently said this to me. Honey, you've changed a lot. You've changed a lot. Amen? Okay. Okay. You've changed a lot. And you know that change, that sanctification process, the idea of becoming more set apart from the world to be more like Jesus, that happens when the spirit of the living God comes inside of our souls and transforms us and changes us. But what I'm sharing with you today is that this transformation that's happening in me and in my life is not for me. Let me say that again. The fruit of the Spirit is not for you. This transformation that's happening in your life, apart from someone else, by giving it away, it has no significance. So when God is doing this work in you, is to send you into the world. We're not supposed to be of the world, but we're supposed to be engaged in the world. Here's one of the problems. You know, I work with a lot of um, churches. And one of the biggest problems is pastors are not in the world. <laughs> pastors are just in the church. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I know, thank God, I, I love this church. Pastor Joe and the leadership team firmly believes that we can't consume your time with church stuff because we need to be engaged in the world. But do you know that there are churches that have Wednesday service, that has Thursday Bible study, that has Saturday men's group, that have... I'm just telling you that you can be removed from the world. My question to all of us in the church is, who's going to be sent into the world? It's you, it's me, we're supposed to be sent into the world to be representatives of Jesus Christ so that we can go and we can help. So let's look at verse 21. Okay, don't take my word for, for it. It says in verse 21, that all of them may be one father, father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What is all this for? That the world may believe that Jesus is the one that was sent by God to redeem mankind and restore all of this that has been lost. We have that responsibility and we are called to this mission. Are you with me? 
I sometimes, even as a Bible teacher, I forget this. Okay, I don't know about you. I forget this. I go, I've been sent into the world to represent Jesus. But how many of you know that God gives us the power and the grace to be able to do this? Some of you are like, well, how does this happen? How do I be a part of mission? I want you to know that the Lord will direct your path and will guide your path. And he will lead you to be a part of his mission. I want to invite you today to be a part of the mission. Amen? Not just senders of missionary, not just donating mission, money to missions, but to be the sent one as Christ is the one who is sent into the world. Christ is sending us into the world. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask Krista to come, and I know I'm run, I ran out of time here. Pastor Joe, I can't see the clock with my one eye, and I didn't bring my phone up, so don't blame me. Would you bow your heads? Here's what I want to say this morning, and here's what I'd like us to do. I just want to take a moment. Would you just say, Lord, I want to be a part of the mission. And to experience the fullness of joy is to be a part of that mission. For when I, my life is aligned with your heart, I can experience satisfaction for my soul. I can experience joy for my soul. And then everything else in this world becomes secondary, no longer important because of your mission. Would you take a moment at this time to just say, Lord, I want to be a part of that mission. If this is you today, I just want you to make a commitment in your heart right now just say Lord I want to be a part of this mission would you transform my life to reflect your glory to reflect your beauty so that my neighbors would come to know you my co-workers would come to know you that you're sending me into the world to be engaged I just want to give you a moment right now just to make a commitment before the Lord. I want you to take out your connection cards at this time or orange cards. Would you do that right now? And Turn to the back of the orange card. And would you write down your next step, what the Lord is asking you to do? Would you take a moment? And after that, I want to pray for you.
would you stand with me? I want to close in prayer at this time. Would you bow your heads? How many of you this morning are saying, I want to be a part of that mission? Would you lift up your hand before God? Not to me. Just say, I want to be a part of that mission. Make a commitment. Say, I want to go into this world. I don't want to be a part of this world, but I want to go into this world. Be a part of that mission. Would you, lift, would you hold that hand up? I want to pray for you. Lord God, I pray right now for every single person right here. As they're committed to your cause. I pray that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit, change us and transform us from the inside out, that we may reflect your glory. Lord, I pray for Spring Valley Community Church, that we would not be an inward church, that we would be focused outward and recognize that we are sent into this world to be the light, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be aligned with you in every aspect of our lives, Lord God, may idols of our lives be shattered. May the things that grip our hearts be released. I pray that the power of your presence be upon our hearts and upon our lives, that we may be used for your kingdom. Lord God, we thank you for calling us and allowing us to be a part of your mission today. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the